All right, everyone. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Deeper Intimacy. I'm really excited to be bringing on a female guest today, someone who I met over the interwebs quite some time ago, and I've watched her journey expand and grow and evolve over the years. And we're going to be giving a nice conversation about that evolution. So with me today is Nadia. And Nadia Munla is an embodiment and intimacy coach who helps visionaries play at their erotic edge, both in their love life and leadership. She is the creator of Embody by Nadia, an embodiment method that has helped thousands of women reconnect to their pleasure, power, and play. And Erotic Mapping, a central journey of erotic archetypal discovery. Mm. Welcome, Nadia. I'm happy to have you here. Mm, So great to be here. Yeah. So one of the things I love, I have a love-hate relationship to Instagram sometimes. I think anyone who uses it consistently as a beautiful platform for expansion probably has been there at some point. Yeah. One of the things that I love is that it connects me with amazing women like yourself. And you're one of these women who, like we connected years ago and it was like, boom, there's alignment and there's alignment and I see you and, and we went to many of the same places and have had a similar journey. And yeah, I'm really grateful to be to be able to bring you onto the podcast and to share a little bit more about you and your life. Mm, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So why don't you share like bios are great and it's a beautiful way for the audience to know a little bit more about what you do. But I'm really always interested in kind of your story. So I think many people perhaps uh, have a projection that people who are connected to their bodies, connected to their spirituality, their sexuality, etc. They were just kind of born like that. (laughs) But usually there's a very different kind of story that took us to where we are today. So I'm curious if you want to maybe start by sharing a little bit more about your background and what got you into the role of leadership that you're in. Yes, I was definitely not born embodied. Well, actually born embodied possibly, but very quickly moved out of that, right? And I think we all are born as babies, so connected, so embodied. And then we have a variety of things that happen in our childhood that just unconsciously have us put up all these different protection mechanisms, create all these programs that are there to protect us, right? And are there to help us survive, to help us make it through, quote unquote. And that works really well for a period of time when we need it to. And then I think once we move into adulthood, we go through another chapter, which is unlearning all of those pieces and realizing, oh, there's ways to create safety. There's ways to create more love in our lives that doesn't require all those protection mechanisms. And so with my personal story, it was a variety of variables. I grew up in a war zone the first seven, eight years of my life, which are we all know developmentally are the key years. And so there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of chaos and parents that were doing their best and scrambling to to give us a level of certainty that just they couldn't because we were in a war zone. Um, so there was a lot of stuff that started to, I guess, percolate in my nervous system around, you know, the world isn't safe. It's a dangerous place. You can never 
move into an exhale because the in the next moment, you never know when you have to like get up and start running or going somewhere else, right? Because of this, uh, the nature of war. Add on, I'm a, you know, young blossoming girl and there's all the pieces that come with sexuality and discovering your sexuality and what it means to become a young woman in a world where there's still a lot of pain and confusion and wounding around sexuality. And so Mm. like many women, I experienced a lot of violations of my own boundaries, a lot of confusion as to how to relate to my own sexuality, right? Like if I'm overly claiming my sexuality, I get too much attention. If I'm not claiming my sexuality, I'm getting too much attention, right? Like it's very confusing. And then add on another layer of a lot of health issues, which honestly were probably in relationship to a lot of the war trauma that started in the first few years of my life. And so starting in my early teenage years, I had all these autoimmune stuff and there was a lot of pieces um, in my digestive system. I had two ulcers at 16, which is sort of unheard of. and. Um, there was just a lot of stuff going on. And so I'm walking around in this body that thinks the world is dangerous, thinks sexuality is like the most confusing thing on the uh, on earth for her, and also is struggling with a body that has a lot of pain and is not functioning great. And so as you can imagine by my early 20s, and of course I'm a very sensitive human, right? Like add on that, which I mean, we all are, right? Like we really all are. But I I guess, I don't know. I get reflections that I'm extra, extra sensitive. I don't know. I'm just myself. But so I'm walking around in my early 20s. And at this point, of course, I'm doing all the normal numbing things that you would do when you're a hypersensitive, in pain, scared (laughs) individual just overriding everything and numbing out in all sorts of ways, caffeine, drugs, alcohol, the whole shebang, sex, (laughs) right? All the things. And then in my late twenties, like slowly started to make my way back to healing and realizing, oh, oh, this whole period of my twenties where I was just out like just pushing hard in every capacity, right? Partying hard, working hard, existing hard (laughs) was just not sustainable. Mm. And it was around the end of my 20s. I was in a film producing career. I had like three jobs. I was just like totally burning myself out. And I realized, oh, okay, yeah, I have to do 180 degree pivot. And it got me into holistic health coaching, which is another thing that we have in common is like we started our journey moving into the world of how do I take care of my body, right? Yeah. So I was sitting with this question of how do I take care of my body moving forward and also having this deep desire to not have this happen to all the other women we're probably going to take a similar trajectory because that's just the world we live in right now. And so I started to dive deeper into sensual movement, which was something I had gotten trained in. And I incorporated it with the holistic health coaching. And 
over time, I just dove deeper and deeper into embodiment and intimacy because that was really what people were wanting from me and ended up where I am now, which is training people to facilitate embodiment, helping guide people into new ways of relating um, to themselves intimately, to the world intimately, and then to each other intimately. Yeah, there's there's so many pieces in there. I feel like each piece could be a, a separate podcast alone. I have lots of questions. But I want to really stay in in tune with kind of what we were speaking about before. So there's this word embodiment. In our world, we see it a lot and we hear it a lot. And we probably follow people online who are also teaching embodiment. There's also a whole world that doesn't even still under, like, understand it at all, or they have a misconception of what it is. I still get a lot of people asking me, but, but what is embodiment? Like, what, what is that? So I think this is a beautiful opportunity. I'd love to hear your definition and, and what it is to you. And yeah, then I can share what it is for me as well. And then we can kind of go into maybe some of the misconceptions and what we've been seeing online, because I think that's also really important as well. Yeah, it's so important to start here. I would say for me, embodiment is just about living a body-led lifestyle where mm. your body is your North Star, your body is your compass, your body is your ally, and where there's really an ironically embodied <laughs> experience of trusting your body to make the best decisions for you. Mm. understanding that there's a level of intelligence that is way beyond just the cognitive little piece that we work with in our like neocortex and you know that little part of our our brain and that there's all these other intelligence and just sort of experiences that are really important to tap into I think this is so important because especially now, you know, if you think 200 years ago, we were so much more in our bodies in general, just with our daily work and the things that we had to do. But today we're so not in our bodies. We, we live most, it's so interesting and I'm sure you can see this as well. The more that you work with the body, you can really understand and see people, even how they walk and how they move through life, who are operating from their head up. And it's such a, for me at least, it's so painful to see because there's this whole world. It's a whole nother world when you start to connect to your body. And even thinking about the way that the society has created all of these, especially for women, but also for men, but I think potentially more for women. We, that's another debate, but let's see. In general, about what, what your body is supposed to look like or how you're supposed to be, whether that's through sexuality and porn or whether that's through fitness. And I know for me on my nutrition path, I was very distorted when I was working with health and working with nutrition and thinking I was doing the right thing because it was based on what I was told rather than truly feeling and deeply listening. And for me, this is also, you know, embodiment. I feel that there's five layers. I always tell people, I say, look, there's the physical body, that's one layer. There's the mental body. There's the emotional body. There's the spiritual body. And there's the energetic body. And for me, embodiment is, is being aware of all of these layers of yourself and, and not only having that awareness of like, okay, how am I feeling mentally in this moment? 
How am I feeling physically, emotionally, energetically, spiritually? When you have that awareness, you're so much more connected to yourself. You're so much more at home because most people live in the mental body. They're lucky if they're connected to the physical body. But then there's these three other layers of self that can sometimes A, not even be in their awareness or B, be so far out. And then we wonder why we don't feel connected to our truth. We wonder why we don't feel at home in who we are. And we're constantly looking, which is kind of what we're programmed to do, looking outside for reassurance, for connection, for whatever it is that we're trying to, to, to meet, which isn't actually being met because it's not coming from within. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you, when you see and when you feel people teaching about embodiment, because we had, we'd spoke about this, where is it that you feel perhaps people miss the mark? And what would you like to deliver? Like if people are listening and they're like, I want to be more connected, I, but I, I want to be more embodied. I want to really feel this. And I, I don't know who to follow or, or, or how to find the right person. Where do you feel people are missing the mark when they're, when they're teaching? And, and how could you help the audience perhaps, yeah, be more mindful of where to look or where to go or where, what to listen to or what not to listen to in this field? Mm, that's a great question. I mean, I think there's a few pieces. The, the number one thing that comes up for me is the pace at which someone is moving. And that might just be the training that I, um, then the lineage of training that I come from. But essentially the way that I've been taught and the way that I work is the more you slow down so much in your movement, whatever that movement is, the more you're going to create space for your body to actually come in and tell the story. And so sometimes I see beautiful movement, very feminine, very just like luscious and, mm, but they're going a little fast. And when they're going fast, it's like they're skipping words in the sentence of their story. Mm. And often if you're going fast, it's also an indication that you're not slowing down with your breath enough as well. So the breath is not actually meeting you in all the places it needs to be met. And um, there's something about this combination of deeply breathing and truly slowing down that then allows for those spaces where your body can go ding, 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 ding. Here's something that you need to know that your mental body would never be able to pick up on. And so it shows up very much in both the emotional, I would say, and the energetic body. Although Mm -hmm. probably it's all the layers, but those are the ones I find I see the most when I'm paying attention to what's happening when someone is moving intuitively, right? I'm reading their bodies to see what is the body telling me that their mind is not telling me. Mm -hmm. Because there's only, we have all sorts of stories. Oh, I think it's this and I think it's that and maybe I should do this in my life. And right, if you're on just a coaching call with a client and then sometimes I'll see them move and even they will feel like, oh, wait, hold on. My body is leading me in a totally different direction. And so that slowing down and that deepening of the breath then allows us to move into body trust, which is ultimately what embodiment is. And so when we trust that, okay, the exhale is going to allow for a shape to occur in the body 
that we would never have mentally thought to do. Like maybe there's a sudden folding over or maybe there's a tilt of the neck or maybe there's just like a slight move of your pinky that can say so much without, without you saying anything verbally. And I think that often is missed when we're going quickly. Mm. Yeah, this morning I was doing my own practice. I, have, I, I often think I tell people, at least for me, my scope of practices is just creating spaces for me to feel. Creating spaces, whether that's with my Qigong or with my yoga or with my intuitive dance or sounding. I use a lot of sounds. Like sounding has really come into my sphere a lot, especially the last, I don't know, maybe year and a half. Like I'll be in the shower and I'm just making so much sound. And uh, yeah, I was in my, 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 my body this morning with my own practice, really allowing emotions to be tapped into that aren't conscious. So they're not, I don't need, I'm not even aware that they're there. But then when I start moving through my body, it's like, oh, wow, there's actually a whole world of feeling in here that I can't really make sense of because it's been stored for however many years or decades even. And now that I'm giving myself a container, my masculine is like, okay, Amanda, before you sit and you do your work, you're going to give yourself a container to just express, to just feel. And I often think about how I know for myself, whenever I create these spaces for myself, I feel so much better. I mean, just on an on a biological level, you're increasing your endorphins. So that's that's one thing for you. But also on a mental and emotional level as well, I feel so much more clean and I feel so much more clear. And I think about, you know, if if embodiment in all the different ways was just something that we did on a regular basis, if we started off our days like that, and I know you and I do, but like if the world did, I, I really think about how much more connection we would have as individuals and as a collective, whether that's you meeting your barista at the coffee shop or whether that's you connecting with your lover. I really have this, yeah, this expansion in my heart when I think about how much more connected and intimate we could be when we're not just living from the things that we have to do and, and, and everything that puts us on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing that you mentioned that really pinged me was like, we don't have enough spaces to feel. And that's important. That's, that has been a huge part of the incentive for creating uh, Embody, which is the modality that I created and now have, you know, have teachers um, get certified in. It's a, it's this one hour container where you are guided through intuitive movement And so the idea is, you know, you start off by having someone help you get there. And then over time, ideally, you have your own practice where you don't even need guidance. Although I'll say I've been doing um, intuitive movement for 13 years now, and I still prefer to have guidance, right? It's just the masculine structure feels really good. But there's something about when you look around in the world, more often than not, we are using our bodies for something. If you go to a regular dance class, you're trying to get the choreography right. You're trying to look a certain way. If you're going to the gym, you're trying to get more muscle or lose weight or whatever it is you're there for, right? So there's always this like functionality and this way in which we are trying to be productive through our bodies. And that's one thing to do. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but that's equally important that we have a space for the feminine, like you said, 
where we get to feel, we get to exist, we get to breathe, we get to just be in that emotional and energetic experience that isn't just a seated meditation because that is still just addressing more of the masculine in all of us. But really the feminine energy in all of us requires movement. It moves. That's just what the feminine does. And so it's it, there needs to be like circles and S shapes and just like it, it just needs to all around the body and wake us up. And so if we can create more and more spaces where we come in and we have zero uh, expectation. We're not here to get anywhere. We're not here to do a particular shape, to look good. We're just here to feel our feelings. And that would change the entire world. Like if everyone was doing that, and that's why you and I wake up every morning, I imagine, is like, because we're like, oh, right. If everyone made this their practice, then all the pent up aggressive energy, all the sadness, all the ecstasy, all the every, the, the range of emotion would no longer be coming out in these bizarre sideways ways, right? During the day, but instead would just have a place to move through. And the same way we wake up and brush our teeth and shower, it's just as important to clean our insides <laughs> and to just move energy. And at the beginning, it feels very daunting. I see how many people come and they're like, oh shit, right? Because at the beginning, you've got years and years. It's like not having brushed your teeth in like two years and then going to the dentist. Like it's not going to be a good situation, right? There's <laughs> going to be a lot of gunk inside. But then if you've been flossing and brushing your teeth and going doing your cleaning, it may seem like a very bizarre analogy, but that's really what it is. It's like we have to once we get through the initial, oh, we moved out the very deep stuff, it actually becomes a lot easier because then it's just, there's an open, there's an open flow. The pipes are not as clogged, emotionally speaking, and you can just breathe into it. You also start to build the muscle of dropping in a lot better. You start mm -hmm. to be able to really quickly drop into deep breath, drop into body trust, drop into just trusting what is. And trusting, you know, I had a client the other day, we were doing an in-person session. And she was like, you know what I realized? Now I'm not so scared to cry anymore mm. when, when I'm in movement. She's like, I used to think it was going to be this whole big deal and I'd be so tired and, I, and like it would mean all this stuff. And she's like, now I don't let it mean anything. I just let the tears flow. And then five minutes later, I feel great. And I think that's what happens when we are consistently in this practice is we don't attach to the feeling. We don't make it about us and the whole story. It's just, it comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. The word that comes for me when I hear you is emotional hygiene. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's really like about empty, emptying the vessel and not getting stuck in the identity of who we are or what's happening or the stories, but really allowing life to move through us because it's moving through us all the time unless we keep it stuck. And that's how all the anxiety and the depression and then the dis-ease starts to come into the body. And I also think it's a, it's really fun. Like It's just really fun after a while. Super fun. Super fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. Another thing that, um, yeah, both of our work expands into and we were playing with a little bit when we were thinking about what we wanted to come on and, and share about is something that you titled the erotic edge. 
And not only does it sound very intriguing and and sexy, and it's I, I imagine like this woman or man saying, "Come here," you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you also described it as the place where excitement and uh, fear and expansion meet. Mm-hmm. So I would love to kind of bring our audience into this world of the erotic edge and what is that for you and 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 how did you stumble upon this exploration and what does it mean for the people around you and why do you feel it's an important topic mm. to speak about? Mm. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, here's the thing. I'm going to come at this in a slightly, I guess, sideways approach. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about the concept of resilience and adaptability Mm. and how I truly believe that that is the criteria of success and the Mm. criteria of power in our lives. It's not about, okay, we're trying to get to this place of joy and ecstasy and turn on and everything's so great all the time, right? that's never going to be the human condition. And anyone who's still trying to get there, I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's going to hit you hard. But instead, I think what's so important, what makes us feel incredibly powerful is realizing that we are alchemizers Mm. and that our body is the tool and the vessel for that. When we start to understand that the most important thing is not to try to avoid going through, you know, really dark periods of our life or avoid grief or avoid sadness or avoid rejection or avoid abandonment because all that shit's going to happen. Okay, guys, it's going to (laughs) happen. No matter how embodied you are, it will happen. (laughs) It will 100% happen. So The key here is not to avoid it from happening. It's actually to trust the alchemical ability Mm. of your body and your breath so much that you become an adaptable and resilient being. And from a science nervous system perspective, because let's talk about, you know, not just the mystical piece and the sort of spiritual energetic piece, but also the science, the nervous system is in its healthiest state when it's the most dynamic. Animals in the wild, right, haven't gotten messed up with Zoom all day long and whatever. They're still like chugging along doing what they do best, which is be in their bodies. And one thing we see with animals is when they get shock, when they have a moment where they're about to die because there's a predator or whatever, they have a system where they shake it off, or they play dead, or they do whatever, and then they move on. And then mm. they're, that's it. They're good. They're chill. Everything's back to normal. And we have that ability, but we've partly lost it because there's this desire to be in a more static nervous system response. But actually, the healthiest nervous system is one that is incredibly dynamic, which means, yes, you should feel fear in the moments when something is scary. You should feel pain in the moments where something is is painful, but how quickly can you get back to a place of regulation and health? Mm-hmm. That's actually the metric and the criteria we need to be using. So how does this connect to the erotic edge, right? It's starting to understand that aliveness, eros, 
um, feeling electric in the body, which is a, essentially feeling turned on by life, is simply about trusting that you can play right at the edge of that place that feels scary and that at the same time feels exciting because you're expanding into new territory, into new potential, you're growing. That if you learn how to be right at that edge and take care of yourself in a way, which is again, through breathing, slowing down, having daily embodiment practices. But if you know that you can live at that edge, it's the most exciting place to be. It's also the most empowering place to be because you know, no matter what's going to happen, you got this. You have the tools you need to move it through you. And so the more you can be with the capacity to be with heartbreak, with grief, with fear, right? The more, and not from a place of overriding, from a place of actually being with it so much Mm. that you allow yourself to dissolve it. And it's the body. You have to feel it fully to allow it to move and evaporate out of you. The way that we see the deer shake after it nearly got, you know, got attacked or whatever. We got to shake it out on a dance floor. We got to, moan it out during sex. We have to, you know, whatever needs to happen. Like, but we have to trust our bodies to do, to make the sound, to do the movement, to feel the feelings without our mind coming in and judging like, wait, was that okay to do or not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think the dance floor is, is symbolic and a beautiful practice mat for the rest of life. Because if you can start to give yourself permission to, like you said, you were like, you love sounding. It's like, if we get a chance to start to cultivate permission with ourselves to not look a certain way, not this like prim and proper and look, I have a beautiful shape and now my body's doing this thing. And like, it's all about looking at yourself from the outside in, but instead feeling yourself from the inside out right? And going, okay, I'm going to, if there's a sound that wants to come through, it's going to come through and I'm just going to let it. And I'm not going to think about like, why was that sound? What does this even mean? If tears want to come, great, let them happen, invite them, welcome them in without going, wait, what does this mean? Am I sad? Is this happening? What is that? Right. We go into psychoanalyzing our own selves and creating a story. No, I just, I just needed to cry for a minute. That's cool. Right. And the more we allow ourselves to writhe a certain way, to move a certain way, to moan a certain way, to cry a certain way, guess what? That translates into everything in life, including the bedroom, right? Including Mm -hmm. sexuality, where it's like, now I'm just going to show up and be embodied and be myself and respond to my lover the the way that I want to with less. Uh, fear and judgment around how I'm showing up. It means that in a in business, I'm going to show up and promote my offering and just be like, this is the sound it wants to make. This is the way it wants to breathe. This is the way it wants to writhe. And you know what? Sometimes people don't buy that shit. Okay, moving on. Right? Yeah. Like there's there's just a way in which everything that we're cultivating in that movement practice and embodiment practice then translates into our love life, into our business and our leadership where we go, I trust. Mm. I trust and I trust that even when it doesn't work out, because guess what? It doesn't work out so many times in relationship, in our offerings to the world, 
in whatever scenario we're trying to create, it often fails. And what does, it's not failing. It's just, it's crickets out there. And then you go, all right, next one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much that you shared in there. There's so much available, I think, to the audience. And the thing that really, really speaks to me and I think is really important to speak into is it's 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 really nervous system resiliency <laughs> or nervous system resilience training you know and and nobody teaches us like we're we're taught to save face mm. we're taught to like put the mask on and pretend that everything's okay whether that's in our relationships whether that's to our peers whether that's in work life whether that's in there's such a lack of truth and honesty which is what I think so many people really crave. Like we really want to be seen and we want to see each other because that's what creates connection. But yet when we are totally trying to save face all the time and constantly trying to protect ourselves or not feel or push it down or push it away or just put our you know backpacks on and keep going for lack of a better expression there, it doesn't work. Like it doesn't work because eventually you're going to fall apart. And if you don't have the tools and you don't have the practices, you're going to fucking hit the ground so hard and you're not going to know how to even begin to stand back up. And I think a lot of what embodiment is, is actually nervous system resiliency training in a way that allows you like, can I be with the full range of my emotions? Can I be with the full expression of the human experience? in a container where I practice going there. I'm literally giving myself permission to go there so that when life swipes me off my feet, when I get hit over the head, when I think I'm, everything is good, because I've practiced, I love what you said, the dance floor being the mat, you know, because I've practiced, I know these emotions. I know the depth and I know my ability to hold myself in them. And I'm going to allow myself to dissolve because I've dissolved many times in my practice. Mm. And I think when you can dissolve in the small things, like, you know, maybe you had a financial setback that was really challenging and you were with it. And maybe you, you know, somebody, a distant family member died and you, and you allowed yourself to grieve. Then when something really big comes, it's like, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to create the space to really go there because I know that I can't just push it down and I can't just shove it away and I can't just pretend it's not there because it's going to come out. It's going to come out in your health. It's going to show up. It's going to manifest in your physical body. It's going to manifest in your relationships. It's going to manifest eventually. And what's so powerful is when you can really consciously choose to, as you mentioned, play with that itch and to invite it in in your life because then your capacity to also hold more will expand. And yeah. then you're living more of your potential. Like you're really rooted in, I'm I see so many people and I'm curious how you feel about this. I see so many people not fully playing full out in life. Mm. I see so many people who are holding themselves back, holding their potential, men and women who are, who are, who are kind of saving face and holding themselves back from truly living, from truly feeling what is possible inside themselves, inside their relationships, inside how they get to show up for, for the world. And I, and I tell people, it's not just about you. Like when you are really 
truly playing at your edge and you're really truly living the fullest expression of you, not only will your personal life expand and be more fulfilling in every way imaginable, in your sex life, your relationship life, your friend's life, your everything, your job, but also you are a gift to everyone around you. Like when you are fully showing up, you are an embodied transmission for what's possible to your neighbors, to the barista, to your grandparents, to your mother, to your friends, to your community, to the to the way you walk on the street. And I think that this is, I mean, this is really where, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious what this what this sparks in you when when we speak about even the leadership component of all of this as well. Yeah, it's it's so important because I also a lot of what I talk about in my work and I'm deepening into is the collective body, the planetary mm. body and our own individual bodies and how we're just a fractal, right? And so when we are dropping deeper into connection with our own bodies, it allows us as we're then instantly more connected to the collective body, meaning our community or our city or the world. And then also the planet, which is like the ultimate body that we're just a part of actually. And so if we call it, you know, I don't know, the master body or something, but the, there is something about the more we drop into our individual bodies that allows us to connect more with the consciousness of these other bodies and then allows us to make better decisions mm. for the community and for the planet. And that's a really important piece. I mean, part of what we're looking at, we look at the world, the problems that we have right now, whether it be climate change stuff, whether it be, you know, the certain political issues like there's just so much that has stemmed from leaders who are not connected to the collective body and not connected to the planetary body. And they're making mm -hmm. the decisions for the world and it's not going well, <laughs> right? It's just not doing great. But if we have more leaders who are deeply connected to their own body, wow. And then they, they move into true places of power and leadership, whether it be in government, whether it be CEOs of really big companies, like they're going to make different decisions. And mm -hmm. let's be real, that shit matters a whole bunch more than if you're recycling at home or not, right? Like, <laughs> it's like, and so how can we make these macro changes through the individual, but that isn't yeah. like, oh, did you recycle this week? But it's actually like, oh, who is this person? What values do they embody? And now they're going out into the world and really shifting big things and it's making huge ripple effects in the world. So yeah, I mean, that's when we really zoom out um, part of also why I do this work. It's like, well, it's great to upgrade the experience of every person working with me. That's awesome. And if they are leaders, they will go there and do the same to their community. They will change the way that they respond to the planet. Like there will be a lot of different layers that start to shift. Yeah. And I think, I know, <laughs> I don't think I know that the embodiment, right? It's, it's, it's when someone is connected, it's a frequency. It's a frequency you can feel from across the room. It's it, it shows in the way that that person walks through life, 
in everything they touch and everything they do, there is a larger consciousness. I really feel that embodiment for me at least is where the masculine and the feminine really merge within myself. And it's where my consciousness is creating this, is, is choosing to open up to expand awareness of self. And it's where my feminine is getting to dance and getting to play and getting to unite with that consciousness. And from that place, that's where creativity lies. That's where deeper connection lies. That's where greater alignment lies. And you know, you know, an embodied being when, when you know, you know, (laughs) you know, it's like, I often tell people, you know, who are just starting this path, they can see somebody who's very fit, let's say, just because you're fit does not mean you're embodied at all. <laughs> and I, I think about even children, you know, I think about how it affects your relationships, how being more connected to yourself, to your feelings, to your emotions, to your truth makes you a better communicator. It makes you more available to not only hold space for yourself and not depend on your partner to hold space for you, but also to meet your partner when they're going through their emotions because you've held yourself. And I was doing a podcast. The last one was the, was with Alex and, and we were talking about how sometimes there's this fear of the masculine to be able to hold the feminine's emotions because they haven't been able to hold their own emotions. So then when You meet a woman who has, especially an embodied woman who has a range of depth. It's like, whoa, that's scary because I haven't even learned to hold my own feminine's emotions. But when whether man or woman or woman or woman or man or man doesn't matter and non-binary doesn't matter. When you know these spaces within yourself, you're no longer afraid of it. You're no longer afraid of going to the depth. You're no longer afraid of meeting your partner in the depth, whether it's in the bedroom and you're just totally letting it out and like allowing this raw expression to be there or on the dance floor or in, in, in challenging conversations about like, what is it that we really want? And are we going in the right direction? And I see so many people, even in relationships who are in a relationship, not for the deeper truth. They're in the relationship because it's, they're afraid to let go or they don't know how to communicate their emotions or they're or their needs or their desires or express themselves. And through, yeah, through learning yourself and through showing up with yourself each and every day, through getting to know yourself, not only are you supporting your own ability to hold yourself, but also how you walk through life. And yeah, I, I can't speak enough about how life-changing this is, which is why, <laughs> which is why we do it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I just, just even the name of this podcast, right? Like deeper intimacy, like those are two words that for me are such key pillars in the work. Going into the depths of your experience allows for you to hold the depths of someone else's experience and not to freak Mm -hmm. out around it. No matter who Mm -hmm. that is, a client, a friend, a lover, a partner, Mm -hmm. a parent, (laughs) And, um, that is what creates intimacy. Mm. What we all long for. What we all want at the end of the day is just more and more connection. So if you were to give some advice, like if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, wow, 
it all sounds great, but I feel so far away. Like I, I don't even know where to begin or like, yeah, I, maybe I see you, Nadia or Amanda, you know, and I, and I can feel what you're saying and I can see, but it just, I don't even know. I have a nine to five. I'm really busy. I have kids. Like it all just, yeah, yeah I want it, but it's, I'm too far away from it. What would you say? Where would you, where would you point people in the direction to, to start to shift that narrative and begin the path? Well, I mean, I find that there's, there's really something so helpful about having guidance, right? Again, having that masculine structure, someone that's leading you in the process so that your mind can quiet a little bit and you can just follow direction. I know myself as a very mental person. That's the other thing. I think people are like, oh, she's an embodiment coach. I'm like, you guys don't understand how heady I can be. Like I am so like, like firing all the time. And so I require a very strong leadership. I need someone to just be like, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do after that. And then the thing after that. And so if you resonate with that, then honestly, I would say find guided classes that teach you how to drop into intuitive movement. And so that may be, obviously, I do that in body. We have a lot of digital classes on my website that you can do at home you do, or in a park or wherever you want to that are just recorded. You can, I'm sure, seek out a whole bunch of um, different classes like that that maybe exist locally for you if you would rather do it in person. Um, you know, there's five rhythms and ecstatic dance are great options for that. It can sometimes feel intimidating to walk into a huge room where everyone's already like been doing it for a while. I know it was for me when I first started, I was like, what is this? This is so much. So sometimes a great first step is to do it in your living room at home alone or with one other woman. And I think that that's the best way because what it does is that then models for you how to go about it on your own. So over time, you can then put together like three or four songs you really love that you heard this week and then just dance. But yeah. then you'll have already learned the tools of how to connect deeper into your breath and be okay with feeling things as the songs are happening. But I think it's really hard to just start there, to just be like, I'm just going to put music on and move because your monkey mind is going to be like all the things. Similar to regular meditation, right? Seated meditation. A lot of people love guided meditations first, and then they can move into just stillness. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. I've, I've been meditating for a decade and I still <laughs> doing a just stillness is, yeah, depending on where I'm at, still, it's still a challenge. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Well, Nadia, how can people find you? What do you have? Do you have things coming up? Do you have new programs? Do you have anything exciting for 2023 that you would mm. love to share? And then you can also share how people can find you. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got my website, NadiaMunla.com, just my full name. These days I'm hanging out primarily on Instagram and doing all sorts of silly things in my stories. So come find me. I love connecting. And I would say, honestly, what, what has been most alive and exciting for me in terms of my offerings is continued one-on-one. -on -one. I just love the intimacy and depth I can go to with a one-on-one -on -one client, with a private client. So that's always the doors are open for that whenever there are spaces. I'm always loving working with people in that space. And that doesn't always look like, I mean, my ideal is, of course, long-term. 
But I do have some packages that are more about dropping into erotic and sensual movement where we do movement on video together and get really curious about what your erotic archetypes are. So that's a fun little way to just tease tease yourself and get a sense of um, some of this work. And and I've been I've been playing a lot more in teaching about energetic sex. And so mm. there's there's also a self-study course right now um, that was live earlier last year. That's called the Dance of Energetic Sex. And mm. um, very much about yeah, taking all these concepts of embodiment on the dance floor and bringing it into the bedroom to really expand um, just the passion and your own permission with yourself and how you show up in lovership. Mm, yummy. <laughs> yeah. And that, that can be found on the website or you can just DM me. Amazing. Yeah, everything will be available in the show notes as well. So people can can go directly to that and find that. And, you know, I, I'm always, of course, the entrepreneur path, it has its edges. <laughs> but I also think that I, I just often think about how grateful I am to to be doing this type of work, like to be really every day we're kind of yeah drenched in, in the teachings of coming back home to ourselves, our true nature, our, our pleasure, our pain, our human experience and the wide range that exists within it. So it's always amazing and such a pleasure to have fellow yeah, peers like yourself, leaders, mentors, facilitators who are also showing up for this work. And I want to thank you for for doing that, for doing the inner work, for going within, for deconditioning all of the conditions that have been placed upon us throughout a lifetime and for being so authentic in, in who you are and how you show up in the world. And also, of course, for being open to being here with me on the podcast. I really uh, appreciate it. And I'm sure the audience will get a lot from this episode as well. Mm, Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Hmm. All right, everyone. And thank you all for listening. Of course, if you feel inspired or something touched you in this episode, feel free to send us a DM, leave us a comment uh, or even better, a review. Your reviews help this podcast get seen by more people. Thank you and we will see you next time.